Well, hey there, thanks so much for tuning in for this week's message. We are so excited about what Jesus just did at OS this week. So wherever you're joining us from, I encourage you to sit back, relax, and plug into what God's got for you. Let's get to it. Remember uh, Emily in your prayers as she is recovering in the hospital right now. She's good. She's going to be fine, but she is still recovering. Uh, so that's why they're not here tonight. And that's why you have this guy up here standing in front of you at 46 years of age attempting to be relevant. And I realize that the older I get, the harder that is. And I'll give you an example of how old I am. I was actually your student pastor's youth pastor. That's old. I am so old that I thought the Lord was trying to send me smoke signals in here to change my message. I thought he was sending me smoke signals. I don't know what you all got kicking back here. I'm about to pull out my phone and call 911. It's, it's crazy, but isn't God really awesome? I mean, he, he's absolutely amazing that he has given you all such an incredible space to come and worship to come and grow, to come and be in community with each other, and on occasion, listen to an old guy speak God's word. How many of you believe that a little thing can have a giant impact? You know, like there's uranium-235. It's that whole thing that a nuclear bomb's made out of, but it turns out that uranium-235 is a very small thing, but I'm just telling you that when nuclear fission takes place, the energy is off the charts. How many of you have ever heard of a guy named David Blair? Anybody? Anybody? You know David Blair? David Blair? Yeah. So David Blair was a set to be a crew member on the ship, the Titanic. Not the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, the real guy. Um, but he was set to be a crew member on this place until he was replaced at the very last second. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to ever have my position replaced you know, on the Titanic, wouldn't be awful. Like, that was a good day. Like, I'm sure David Blair was like, okay. But David Blair made one small mistake as he exited off the Titanic, and it was this. He took the key to the crow's nest locker. It was in his pocket, and he took it off of the Titanic with him. And you say, well, Chris, that can't be that big of a deal. I mean, it was a key to a locker. It was in his front pocket. I mean, nobody would even miss it, right? Well, that's what I thought until I realized that experts say that there was one item that was in that crow's nest locker that could have averted tragedy. And that item was a simple set of binoculars. And they say that had the men in the crow's nest at that time, had the crew had those binoculars, they would have been able to see the iceberg that the Titanic hit in time to change course and change direction. And tragedy could have never happened if it was for a little key. Look at your neighbor and say, a little thing can make a giant impact. 
Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, he shares with us three little things in particular that if we as a community of believers, if, if we as OS would really put into practice and choose to walk out in our life, three little things that would make a giant impact that could literally change the world that, is, that we are in, that could grow the kingdom of God like never before, that could see the name of Jesus lifted up let me ask you something. Would you be interested in learning about three little things? Well, you're going to have to learn about two of them on your own because I'm only talking about one tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, th- or chapter 13, verse 13 says this. And now these three, look at your name, say three. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, how many of you know that each of these three little giants, they're important things? I mean, the importance of faith to the believer cannot be overstated enough. And, and when it comes to hope, we realize that it is, the need for hope is absolutely undeniable. But I don't know about you, but when the Bible sing, singles one thing out and calls this one little thing the greatest of all the other things, then I want to lean in. I want to look out, I want to learn, and I want to pay attention to what the Bible has to say. So tonight, we're going to learn a little bit about love. Now, I realize that you guys are way too young to even know this next philosopher that I'm talking about. But there was a philosopher back when my wife was a teenager named Tina Turner. And she wrote these lyrics that said, What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? Now, I hate to disagree with Miss Turner, but the truth is this, that I don't believe that love is an emotion at all, but I believe that love, true love, is a choice that each and every single one of us make. Love is an important thing. It is so important that Jesus summarizes the entire law, all of the commands in the Bible. He summarizes them all, and both of these, both of the summaries are centered on the word love. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to love me. They're centered on love, and they say this. Love the Lord God with every single thing you got. With all of your being, with all of your person, with all of your energy, love the Lord your God. And he said in the second command, the second summary of the entire Bible is this. Love your neighbor. Look at the person on your right. Look at the person on your left. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now I admit to you, how many of you would be honest enough to admit that there are things in the Bible that you don't understand. Y'all would, you all would admit to that. You all would confess to that. Let me tell you, as a 46-year-old campus pastor, there are things in the Bible that I do not understand, nor do I comprehend. Pretty much the entire book of Revelation is that for me. The book of Leviticus is a real struggle, Right? And the book of Job, I cannot wrap my mind around it yet. You say, Chris, you ever preach on Job? No, because I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. But I love reading it, and I'm believing that God will help me understand more and more. 
But this is the crazy thing. At 46, it's not the Bible verses that I don't understand that keep me awake at night. It's not... It's not Revelation, and it's not Leviticus, and it's not Job that have me questioning things and have me tossing and turning in my mind. In all actuality, it's the scriptures that I do understand that cause me to be a little bit nervous sometimes. And this is why. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 says this. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. That bothers me. Some of y'all just looked at me and said, why does that bother you? Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You want to know why that bothers me? Because I've been the whoever before that the scripture is talking about. Oh, now y'all's looking at me all crazy now, but don't, please don't act like you've always had it all together and just walked in the spirit of love everywhere you've went. Because we know that that's really not the case. I've found myself, and you've probably found yourself, on the wrong end of this one. I will willingly admit and confess to you that I've had times in my life where I have not done all that love requires of me. And maybe you haven't either. So I thought that it would be helpful if we would talk about some little keys on the subject of love that, that if we would remember them, that, that it would help us walk in this thing called love a whole lot better. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1 through 8 says this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. How many of you are in band? Y'all in band? Have you ever noticed that the people that make the most racket when everybody's supposed to be quiet is always percussion? It is so true, is it not? It is so true. And listen, when Nikki and I, we used to, we used to run the praise and worship team, the student praise and worship team, which, by the way, was called Fuel back in the day. Fully unleashing Emmanuel's love. Fuel. <laughs> so, so corny, but it was good, right? Fuel. I never will forget one of my favorite students of all time, P.J. Peterson. Um, he was the percussionist. And, and there's always that one person that's making a lot of noise when the entire rest of the team is like, shut up. It was P.J. Always banging around, doing something on the percussion. Look at your neighbor and say, it's annoying. But I love percussion people. I'm just going to put that out. I love them. I'm not being the whoever right now. It goes on to say, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am, what's it say? Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they're going to stop. They, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. How many of you are ready to allow God's word to change you tonight? Amen. The crew members of the Titanic, they, they learned the hard way that a little key can make all the difference. In the same way, I, I believe that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is one of the most beautiful passages on love ever to be written, whether that be in the Bible or whether that be in any other book that you could ever imagine, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 sets the gold standard when it's talking about love. And it has some keys in there, some little things. Look at your neighbor say, little thing. It has some little things that it wants to share with us that we cannot afford to be without. Key number one. Anybody take notes in here? Get your note app out right now. Note takers are history makers. Get them out. And we're going to go fast and furious. I may even let you Snapchat the last person you Snapchatted with. So if you don't like them, you may want to go on to the next person. Um, Key number one, key number one when it comes to love. Love changes our words from noise to a voice. Love changes our words from mere noise to a voice. The scripture says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Jesus does not want followers that are making a lot of noise in the world and a little bit of difference listen the goal of the church the goal of all believers should be to go out into the world and to be a people that make a lot of difference and maybe along the way just maybe we make a little bit of noise but the biggest thing is that we are able to make a difference and love makes all the difference in that. Because the local church, outreach students, is at its loudest when we're loving at our greatest. So I have to ask you right now, how's your love meter right now? How are you loving people? Because the truth is this. We must resist the urge just to pump more noise into an already noisy world. How many of you know this week our, no our world's been plenty noisy? There has been a lot of stuff going on. But our deepest desire shouldn't be to pump more noise into the world. It should be to share the love of Jesus with a world that is feeling really, really unloved right now. And we have to be careful on the subject of noise because I'm going to tell you something that you all know is true. That it is a lot easier now to make more noise with our thumbs than we make with our mouths. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So easy to make a lot of noise with our thumbs. But can I tell you that if Jesus wants us to have a heart of love, he also wants us to have thumbs of love. So we need to really be careful what we are putting out there on social media when it pertains to this. Because the world 
has plenty of noise. But it doesn't have a lot of love. I look around and it breaks my heart because, because I see a world that is starving for love. Listen, for outreach students tonight, can I ask you to do me a huge favor? Can we all commit to one thing in here? Can we all commit that we will be more than willing to do whatever it takes to walk the walk of this thing? And not just talk the talk of being a Christian. Because talking the talk is the easy part. But when it comes down to actually walking the walk, that's the challenging part. And we could never walk the walk that Jesus wants us to walk, which, by the way, is simply incredible and will blow your mind at some of the opportunities God will give you in this world. But we will never understand it if we are not walking in love. Why? Because if we say that we love, but, but we don't love, then we don't even know God. Isn't that crazy? Key number two. For you note takers, look at y'all taking notes. I had no idea all you guys would be taking notes like this. This is great. Just kidding. Key two, without love, even if we're believing right, we can be really, really wrong. Even if we have our doctrine right, even if we're right about certain things that we see on social media, how many of you think that you're really, really right sometimes? How many of you know that you're really right and that your parents are wrong, that your friends are wrong, that the old guy preaching is wrong? How many of you have just really believed that there have been times in your life where you've been really, really right? If you express that rightness without love, I just love you enough to tell you we're really, really wrong. Because you can be right, but without love, be really wrong. The Bible says it like this. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Listen, do we really want to be a part of a student ministry that knows it all? but amounts to nothing? I mean, is that what we want? When we leave the four walls of this, of this room, is that what we want? To be a youth group that knows it all, but amounts to nothing. Listen, the world that is out there beyond these four walls, it is not starving for the church's gifts. It is not starving for the church's sound systems. It's not starving for the, the church's lighting system. It's not starving for the haze, although I think that was pretty awesome. What the world is starving for is love. And the world around us, it really doesn't care how much we know until it realizes how much Believers in Jesus care about them. You want people to start listening to you about your faith? You want them to be introduced to Jesus? Then show them that you genuinely care. Key number three. Without love, it's possible for us to give our all 
Without love, it's possible for us to give our all and gain nothing all at the same time. Well, Chris, I don't know if I believe that. How can, how can you say that, that I can give my all, that I can make sacrifices, that, that I, can, I can share everything I have with the world and still gain nothing? It wasn't me that said it. It was the Bible, which is 100% truth, and it is 100% good. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it said, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, like if I decide to start fasting Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes this season, that would be a huge sacrifice to me. But it doesn't matter the sacrifices I make if I make it without love. The Bible says, if I do not love, I gain nothing. Which tells me this. Without love, we are merely breaking even in this life. And the last thing that Jesus wants for our lives in this place is to live a life of breaking even. To live a life that is completely normal, that is completely ordinary. To live a life of just being average. Because Jesus Christ, he came to give us life. And these keys that he gives us in the Bible ensures that we not only have life through salvation, but he says, I also want you to live abundant life. Having life is rooted completely and totally in the promise of salvation that Jesus offers. The abundant life is rooted in the principles and the precepts that you find in the Bible. And that is why it is so important to dive in and to read this thing. There was this group of people in the Bible called the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees, you hear this in church and we think that they were totally bad people. In actuality, they were very religious people. They had a lot of things religiously right, but they lost sight of loving people. And so Jesus comes along, not to people who are lost, not to people who are out there in sin, but he comes to people who are religious and he calls them a brood of vipers. Can you imagine Jesus walking into outreach students, sitting down beside you, and then standing up and say, what's up, you brood of snakes? We're never inviting that guy back to speak. Jesus, you just called us a bunch of snakes. But that's exactly what he said to the religious people of that day. Not because everything they did was wrong, because the right things they did was without love, and whenever you do that, you cannot gain any traction. Why we're doing something, you need to listen. Why we are doing something in our lives matters way more than what we are doing. Why do we believe in giving generously? Why do we serve at outreach students? Why do we do the things that we do in life, whether that be at home or in school, in your walk with Christ? Why you do the things matters. And this is the deal. If, what we, if the answer does not include love, we've missed the mark and we're stuck in stagnation. We've broke even instead of breaking through. How many of you would love to break through to some friends that are around you right now? 
Does anybody in here who, who you are followers in Jesus Christ, that, that you pray for friends, that, that man, that they would come and that they would know Jesus, that, that you have family that maybe don't even know Jesus and you're praying that they would. Listen, your breakthrough d- that comes when you truly begin to walk in love. Key number four, recognize what love requires of us. Recognize what love requires of us and do that. What does love require? Well, the Bible says, first of all, as it begins to give its description of love, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient and love is kind. How's your patient meter been recently? How y'all been doing with things? If Jesus was to come into this room tonight and he would say, and he knows if we're lying or not, does he not? If he would say on a scale from 1 to 10, I'd like you to rate your week on how kind you've been. How we doing? Look at your neighbor and just tell him, quit being mean. Look at him and tell him, say, quit being mean. It goes on to say this. It does not envy. Do you celebrate the success of others or do you get angry and do you think deep down, Deep down, because this requires you being completely honest with yourself. Do you think to yourself, should have been me. Should have been me. I can't believe they got that. They got the rich parents. I'm still looking for my forever home, by the way. So if any of your parents are loaded and looking for adoption, I'm the guy. It does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, stomping madly into the bedroom. When it, oh, I just added that. And it keeps no, listen, this is huge. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Now, you all probably don't have it in your phone right now, but if you're anything like the vast majority of humanity, when it comes to this, we all struggle with it because we have names in our mental notebook. Because we know who has wronged us. And we have written it in our minds. And we have not forgotten it. But can I just tell you that scripturally, love keeps no records of wrong. Does it say that you don't recognize when you've been wronged? It doesn't say that. Obviously, we recognize when, we, when we've been wronged. God doesn't want us to continue to put ourselves in bad and tough situations. That's not what this is about. For you and for me, it is about getting that list out of our minds because it does damage to us, nobody else. It will damage future relationships if we continue to keep that mental list because all of a sudden we will compare the new person we meet with the old person that hurt us, and that's not fair. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. 
What if each and every single one of us in this room tonight, we made this decision that before, before we made another decision in our life, we would ask ourselves this question. Are you ready for it? You may want to write it down. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? Is what I'm about to say being patient? Is what I'm about to post being kind? If how I'm reacting, is it envy? Do I boast? Am I proud? Do I dishonor others? Am I simply self-seeking at times? Am I easily angered? Do I have that mental list? If before every decision we make, we simply ask, what does love require of me? I think we'll begin making a lot better choices. I think that we will be loving people as God loved them. Which brings me to the last key, key number five. Love with strings attached. Love with strings attached is not love. It's manipulation. Love with strings attached is not love. It's manipulation. First Corinthians says this, it always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And love always perseveres. Love never fails. You see, in this moment, we have the opportunity to realize that love is both persistent and consistent. Always there are things that love always does. And how many of you know that, that this Jesus type of love has no strings? When Jesus comes along and he says, listen, love your neighbor as yourself, there was only one group of people that tried to trip Jesus up in this. And it was the religious people. It was the Pharisees. It was the scholar of the law that came and asked Jesus, well, I know you say to love your neighbor as yourself, but, but Jesus, who are our neighbors you see this person that asked the question they were wanting a geographical reference they were wanting a radius like do I need to love everybody within like half a block Jesus what are we talking here because the guy two blocks over that has the camels he's really annoying he built a garage a three camel garage to keep him on he's just showing off and I don't love him and Jesus comes along and he begins to tell the parable that many of you have probably heard. That's where the parable of the Good Samaritan came about. And he shared with us, true love has no strings attached. True love is for the ones that we agree with and the ones we disagree with. Anybody got any people you disagree with? Please don't tell me I'm the only one. We're required. Love requires us to love them anyway. Love requires us to love the people that we're able to sit with at our lunch tables, even behind the plastic that's there right now. And it calls us to love the people at the other lunch table that we know would never welcome us. Love calls us to love the people that sin the same as us. And I don't know about you all, but I'm just telling you, 
I don't have it all together. There are moments when I fall short in this thing, and there are moments when I sin. But how many of you know that it's a lot easier to love the people that sin the same as you? But we're also called to love those people who sin differently than us. There are people, humanity has issues. We have issues, y'all. All of us, none of us are exempt. We're called to love those who are the same color as us and that are a different color than us. There's no strings attached in this thing called love. We're called to love the ones who like us and even called to love the ones who hate us. And I'm telling you, we, especially in the adult world, maybe in you, your world too, but we are living in such a dynamic time right now. And this is what the Lord shared with me this morning as I was praying about this message. The way the church reacts to what is going on in the world for the next three or four weeks will make all the difference in the world. Now, the church, outreach students, we can choose to react to everything, all the craziness that's going on in our world. We can choose to react with hate. We can choose to react and stomp our foot and say, no, you don't understand. I'm right. Or we can choose the way of love. We have a choice to do what love requires of us. And the choice we make in here tonight will determine the what happens in the world around us. John in chapter 3 verse 30 he says he and the he he's speaking of is Jesus and he's talking about his own life he says he must increase and I must decrease a big hold up for all of us if we're just being honest about it about loving people without strings attached is simply this we think way too much of ourselves This entire faith journey that we're on is about loving God with everything we got and loving our neighbor as ourselves. What does love require of us? I'm going to ask you all real quick, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Hey, this is Justin, the pastor at OS. Thanks again for listening. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, we want to celebrate with you. Go ahead and text the word following to the number 97,000. Our heart is to get you connected to a local church in your area. So no matter where you're listening from, we're excited about the decision that you made today. And hey, if this message impacted you in any way, shoot us a DM on Instagram at Outreach Students. We want to know how God is moving in your life.